Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Okay, here's another episode of the Traveling Image Makers Podcast with your host, Ugo Che. And today, uh, we'll have the pleasure of having a conversation with uh, Peter DeMarco, uh, who is a travel photographer who is currently residing, I think, in Malaysia. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Buongiorno, Ugo. I'm doing very well. <laughs> Buongiorno. We're Thank two, you. We're two Italians here. <laughs> I mean, you're yes. just uh, partially Italian. <laughs> So you, you thank pe- you for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's great. Thank you for uh, for your time today. Uh, so you're based in Malaysia nowadays. Where exactly? Yes, uh, I'm in Penang, Malaysia. Penang, Malaysia. Right. And how did you end up there? I know you had a, have a story. You're originally from the U.S. or where? Yeah, I'm originally from the U.S. and I've basically been living abroad for almost the last probably 18 out of the last 20 years. Um, I lived for a year in, in Prague in the Czech Republic. Then I lived for seven years in uh, Barcelona. And then I moved to uh, Busan, South Korea, where I taught English at a university over there. And I did that for about nine years. And then about a year ago, I, I quit my job as an English teacher and Uh, moved down here to Malaysia to um, kind of pivot my career to becoming a, a travel photographer. Oh, wow. So what, what was the, the impetus? What was the decided you to become a travel photographer when you had a, a job in, <laughs> in academia, which is not easy to, to lose, right. I think. I mean, it's pretty much, no, actually, you know, my, my job was... Right. Uh, uh, well, I didn't have tenure, but... Uh, My my job was amazing. And in fact, it was almost too good. They they call it the the golden handcuff job because it's so good that it's hard to quit. But then it kind of just sucks you in forever. Um, and I actually really enjoyed my job. I love teaching. But what happened was um, when I moved to Korea, right before I moved to Korea in 2007, um, I bought my first digital camera, a little Canon PowerShot A610. And I did a, a kind of backpacking trip for like three months around Asia, around China and Mongolia. And I took a bunch of photos and uploaded them to Flickr at the time. That was the big photo sharing site. And I just fell in love with uh, photography. And so like every weekend uh, or every vacation, I would go away and take photos until basically photography pretty much consumed my life. And it was just all I was thinking about. It was most of my friends were other photographers or people who, you know, were interested in photography. So after a while of teaching English, I just kind of decided, like, when I looked ahead 10 or 20 years into the future, I, I just couldn't really see myself uh, teaching English anymore. And I really wanted to be, uh, you know, wanted photography to play a much bigger role. Yeah, it's a story that is... Uh often told yes <laughs> right <laughs> here the calling of uh, the photography exactly. news and they throw right. themselves 
head on into right. a new a new career a new passion and uh, right. uh, why malaysia exactly i mean uh, you were in korea you said is that the climate yeah. the food the people the no i uh, korea was great i loved it um yeah well the the main thing was i kind of felt like i was making a fresh start and you know in korea i was an english teacher and i'd been there a long time and i just kind of wanted to change up my environment and also i really wanted to live in Uh, Southeast Asia or live, I always had this dream of living on a tropical island and I hadn't done it. So I said, oh, well, why not Penang? It's an island and it's in the tropics. Um, but also, yeah, it's, it's pretty cheap. The cost of living is cheap here. It's good food. Another thing is that it makes a great base because it's the, um, it's one of the hubs of Air Asia. Are you familiar with Air Asia? I, I am familiar. It's, I, I, f I yeah. used to fly Air Asia when I was in Indonesia years ago. I'm actually. Oh, okay. I, I'm, when I'm, I'm going to Thailand, well, when this episode airs, I'll probably already be back from Thailand, but I'm flying to Thailand in two weeks from when we're recording this. And I will. Uh, okay. When, I, when I'm there, I will take a few internal flights uh, with Air Asia. It's so, so, so cheap. <laughs> right. For those who don't know, it's a discount airline and they fly all over. I mean, you can get like a flight from Penang to Singapore is like 15, 18 US dollars, yeah. you know, or it's just so cheap to go everywhere. So within a one or two hour flight for less than like a hundred dollars, you can be pretty much anywhere in Southeast Asia. Um, so I figured out oh, it's the perfect spot where I can kind of use it as a kind of home base and then travel around. Um, and also, it's very accommodating here um, because they speak English. It's like the Philippines. So um, there's not too much difficulty trying to kind of blend in with the culture or, or learn about the culture. It's, it's a pretty easy place for foreigners to live. Interesting. Uh, but you also, you said you love Southeast Asia. And I think you have traveled to, to several countries, including, uh, I think, Myanmar. Cambodia, Thailand, and so on. So what's your favorite Asian country and why? Oh, uh, before I say that, I just want to tell you, uh, I know you interviewed Matt Brandon, and yeah. he's actually my neighbor. If I look out my window, I can almost <laughs> see his, his house. Say hi But, to him. Uh, that, okay, I will. Um, my favorite uh, country, that's really tough. I, I love them all for different reasons. Um, in Asia, one of my favorite places is uh, Mongolia, actually. Um, it's just when you travel through there, it's kind of like time travel. There's just still, you know, a lot of nomadic herders and a lot of nature not too developed or westernized. Um, I also really like of Thailand, of course. There's great food and beaches. Um, Myanmar is definitely one of my favorite places i've only been there once but it's really just uh you know they opened up recently i think in like 2012 or, or a little bit before that um so it's just that a place that hasn't been too um commercialized i guess just the people are great it's just a very interesting place um and then of course i love all the big the big cities here like Uh, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Singapore, they're so modern. I really like to shoot architecture and cityscape stuff. So um, there's just, you know, so much um, to shoot here. It's just, it's exciting to see. 
So let's put it this way. Uh, as I said, I'm, I'll be fly. I don't know much about Southeast Asia. I said I've been to Indonesia, basically, and that's it. And I'm going to Thailand soon. And I know Thailand is uh, is very popular country, very touristy. So it's probably easier for foreigners who want to travel to to go to Thailand. Uh, uh, what, what would you say offers the, the best mix between something that is approachable to, to foreigners? I mean, probably Mongolia is not the easiest to travel to, whereas Thailand no. is uh, very westernized. What, what do you think? Would, right. What would you say offer the best mix of, let's say, authenticity without being too remote and off? Um, I would say go right to Myanmar. Uh, uh, I would say start your trip in Bangkok spend a few days there. I don't know how much time you have, but um, spend a few days there, a week, whatever. And that it has kind of all the comforts there. You know, it's yeah. just very accessible and easy. Um, but, but then, of course, when you're there, it's, it's one of the main tourist destinations in Southeast Asia. And so they have like a huge, uh, you know, tourist network built up and there's lots of, you know, places selling t-shirts same same but different you know you have that that kind of atmosphere but then when you go to to Myanmar it's they still haven't really experienced that yet although it's it's definitely changing uh when I went there in 2012 there were no ATM machines for instance mm -hmm. so I had to carry in like what was over a thousand dollars in cash and crisp 100 bills with me Um, so you get there and like the people were just as curious about me as I was of them. They wear this yellow, uh, face paint. It's called Tanaka. Um, a lot of them have the traditional, uh, I forgot what it's called. It's like a skirt type thing, the same one they wear in India. So I think from a travel photography perspective, um, if you're looking for authenticity, you'll def, I feel like you would find that a lot more in, um, Myanmar Uh, probably more than anywhere, actually. Of course, you can always go off the beaten track anywhere in Cambodia or Laos or whatever. But um, I think Myanmar is a, is a special place to be right now. Interesting. Okay. So I would like to talk about photography, of course, uh, not just travel per se. Uh, and I was, uh, before I was preparing for this interview, I was checking your, your blog and, and what you write. And I, and I found a lot of things that resonate with uh, with what myself I, I wrote or I, I spoke about in various uh, occasions. So I will use some of those uh, posts as opportunities to to do some conversation, to, to pick your brains about your, your ideas and so on. And I will start with uh, one of your blog posts where you invite photographers to copy others and embrace the influence because uh, you say or originality is way overrated. And I wrote something very similar uh, recently. Can, yeah. can you expand uh, a little bit on that? What, what do you mean by that? Sure. Um, well, one of my pet peeves is when I meet other photographers and they say, oh, I don't want to shoot that. Uh, you know, tons of people have already been there or, or tons of people have already shot that. And... I don't really think that's any reason not to, to photograph something. I mean, does that mean if you go to Paris, you're not going to photograph the Eiffel Tower because, you know, millions of other people also photographed it as well? Um, so I don't really think that 
it's that important to be original. Um, I think, you know, and also our society, everybody's kind of pushing on us this idea, like you have to be different, you have to be different. But I think if you end up focusing too much on being different or being original, it actually holds you back because you end up not taking a lot of shots because in the back of your head, you're like, oh, well, somebody already shot this or it's not that different than this other person. So, I mean, if you take, for example, in music, like the band Oasis, have you, have you heard of Oasis? Yeah, of course. So a lot of people say they sound like the Beatles. So what if Oasis were sitting around and they were like, oh, well, we should just quit now because everybody says we sound like the Beatles. I mean, I think it's just silly. Everything has already been created. And even if you think you're being original, I'm sure somewhere in some other time, somebody has already done it. You just haven't seen it yet. True. So I think you just have to, yeah, don't focus too much on trying to be original. Just shoot it because you enjoy it. The fact is you haven't taken that shot yet. And who knows, your, your story could be different or your experience. And just the fact of you going you know, somewhere to shoot something, that, that also says something in and of itself. It doesn't necessarily have to be original. It's like, well, it was important enough for you to go there and shoot it. Okay. What I'll do you think? No, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I mean, uh, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned, or it's uh, funny that you mentioned the Eiffel Tower, because it was uh, in the past days, and again, people who are listening to this, and if they uh, catch caught up with the previous episodes, we just had a couple of episodes, uh, and one was... was um, an interview with Valérie Jardin and another one with Mark Silber. And we, we and in both cases we, we cover the same the same topic, the, the thing of idea of originality, iconic postcard shots and so on. And they have their, their own um, view on that. And they both mentioned the Eiffel Tower as an example. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to add for their photos, and if you have photos of the Eiffel Tower, I will add them to this blog post, so maybe people can uh, uh, can see what uh, the different approach that uh, different photographers take to that. But, but I tend to to mostly agree with you. That's so I'll just I'll just say that yes, originality is way overrated. I think you uh, is not is non-existent. Basically, right. you, you cannot be. Uh, original, but uh, you cannot be authentic. You can be authentic, I think. Uh, in the sure. end, I mean, you uh, put something of you in every photo that you take. That's the exactly that's the idea. So, yeah, good. Uh, there's another uh, thing that you mentioned in that blog post that is a metaphor that I really love, uh, and I wrote about that as well myself, and it's the Helsinki bus station theory. So we're all reading the same stuff. <laughs> we are, yes. <laughs> um, so for, for people who don't know about the Helsinki bus station, would you please explain what do the Finnish buses have to do with photography and creativity in general? Sure. Uh, well, basically, um, I forgot the name of the man who wrote the article, but it's an article that's, that's popular with photographers and, and creatives or artists in general. And he, he basically says that... Um, he uses the bus station as a metaphor for your creative um, endeavor and, and life. 
and that there's, you know, at this bus station, there's all these different buses going in different directions. And it's kind of like your own creative career. We're always kind of trying different things or going down different paths. And he's basically saying, um, you know, just stay true to your path. Just keep doing that, that one thing that you're doing. And even if people say, oh, you, what you're doing looks like such and such, or you're copying Ansel Adams or whoever, just keep doing what you're doing. And eventually your own sort of originality will come out of that. Um, it's kind of connected to the whole idea of originality is overrated or, or trying to be unique. Um, so it's basically just keep following your path and, you know, going down your path and don't worry what other people are saying. And eventually your own kind of vision will come out of that. The idea, well, why the Helsinki bus station? Because the, the, the metaphor is based on this. There is this bus station in central Helsinki where all the buses to different cities in Finland depart from. And for a certain part of the route, they all follow the same route. Uh, so and then they diverge and go to different directions. So sometimes you will jump on the uh, I don't know the Ansel Adams bus or the uh, Ricardier Bresson bus <laughs> or the Matt Brandon bus, and and you and you follow that route. And at some point you figure out you go uh, to a portfolio review and somebody says, "Oh, your photos just look like Ansel Adams, and you should be more original." And then you jump off the bus and you go back to the station and then you jump on another bus, maybe the Annie Leibovitz bus. And then you discover you're just like uh, you're imitating her style and so on. Uh, so you jump off that bus and you do a different one. So the, the idea was that if you waste all the time trying to find originality, you will never find your route. So the, the end of the metaphor is just to stay on the freaking bus. <laughs> see where it leads you and then it will finally diverge and you will find your own voice and vision and artistic uh, personality and style if you stay on the bus don't don't exactly. get off the bus at every turn that's the right. idea very interesting so I will put a link in the in the show notes uh, I don't remember the name of the guy as well it's Finnish it's hard to, to remember right. Mil Milkinen Mil something like that I don't want to embarrass myself saying <laughs> it's uh, yeah funny funny and very, very interesting very inspiring I recommend everybody to, to read it um, uh, another post of yours is about the best photography project idea ever so what's that? yeah my well I guess the best, quite simply, the best photography project is one that you actually do, one that you actually complete. And a lot of these photography projects oftentimes are these really huge um, undertakings that, you know, they're so big, a lot of times people don't even start this, their photo project. It's just too much and they get overwhelmed. Uh, a popular one that I could think of is the 365 project where you take a photo a day every day for a year. And I wanted to do that for so long. And I know people who've done it. And uh, like one guy, when I asked him when he finished, how was it? And he's like, I'm so glad it's over. I hate it. I never want to do it again. Um, and so I kind of felt like, oh, well, I had to do it. Whenever you hear, you know, photographers, it's almost like a rite of passage or something if you can complete this project. And I don't know, I made it to like 100 days and then I quit. Um, and I've seen other people do it too and a lot don't finish or they never even start just because it's so big. 
So the reason, well, the my favorite or best uh, photography project is something I call a walkabout, uh, which is simply just uh, setting some time aside, uh, whether it's even five minutes or half an hour, but setting some time aside to just go and walk around somewhere. Um, if you don't have that much time, you can walk out the back door of your house um, or hop in your car and go for a walk in the woods, whatever. But the basic idea is just go for a walk and bring your camera along and take pictures of what you see. Um, so it's, it's really simple and it's, it's short, but I think it's, uh, the main idea is to get you to, to get out there and start taking photos. And I think that's what that project does. And that's why I think it's the best one. Yeah, just keep it simple, approachable, and I mean, uh, something that right. you, you can complete <laughs> reasonably, right? <laughs> don't don't right. try to, to be an overachiever and set goals that are too too high that you will be frustrated if you don't reach them. I think that's exactly. The, I mean, the, if you want to do a 365 project, go for it. But, uh, you know, it's just such a huge thing. Are these 52-week projects or take 100 hundred portraits of, of people for a hundred days. Like a lot of these things that sound really cool and are, are, I think are, have some buzz about them or you see people write about them online. Um, I, they sound interesting, but I don't really think that many people actually end up completing them or, or doing them. They're, they want to in the back of their head, but they, yeah, it's just, you got to keep it simple. And I, so. I did in the past the hundreds, hundred portraits a day, portraits of strangers. Uh, I actually, Did you finish it? Well, I went to over 150, actually. Wow, congratulations. But, uh, yeah, that, that took a lot of uh, effort and uh, right. will I mean, who to, does... do to go out every day with the camera and try to find somebody. to. But I, I did it, well, I did it for a reason. It was not just, let's do a photography project. I did mm -hmm. it because I wanted to uh, overcome my natural... Uh, introversion and shyness and difficulty in approaching people on the street. I didn't want yeah. it to, to get great photos. I, I did it mm -hmm. because I wanted to be able to ask people with confidence on the street, can I please take your portrait? That, that was the whole point of it. And once I started and I found out that it was not as hard as I thought it would be, then it just became natural. I would go out and shoot 10 people in a day. So it made it easier because I didn't have to go out every day and take one portrait. I would go out, take 10 portraits and use them for 10 days, which is maybe cheating. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say is who, who does anything for 100 days? I mean, what if I told you you have to uh, do 10 push-ups every morning for 100 days? Or, you know, it's like, it's just odd. Eat apples every day for 100 days. I mean, it's just not normal to do something continually for that long of a time. I mean, I, I see the reason behind it and like, Oh, I want to, you know, push myself to the limits and all that. But t it's really a, it's a, it's a large undertaking. It is. So. Okay. Another thing about, uh, that you wrote about, and I think it uh, can be like a segue to, to what you were, what we were saying, um, in doing the things that you love, basically, which is really important. And you have this uh, uh, post about uh, Benjamin von Wong. He's a great portrait photographer, and uh, he, he says that people should do the. Uh, so we are officially this is a clean language podcast on iTunes. So okay, yeah, I would say almost <laughs> do the twice now, beep. <laughs> they love. <Yeah. laughs> 
right? Uh, right. This is what Ben says. But uh, sometimes I know I, I tell that people a lot just uh, to do the things that you love. And they say, well, they say, I'm stuck here doing the things that I hate. Like uh, you are in your, I mean, you, you didn't hate your job, but you, you thought you were going to hate it. And sometimes people are stuck because they depend on their job. They have uh, commitments, they have families, and money and a mortgage and so on. So it's really hard to, I mean, it can sound, uh, yeah, also very new agey and uh, say, okay, do the things that you love, but people actually sometimes have to do the things that they hate. What, what, what can they tell them? What do you feel they can tell them? What's, what, what was in, in your case? What made you decide to do the things that you love? Yeah. Hard question, um, I know. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've, I've so many things to say, and there's different ways to approach it. I'm just... Um, yeah, so, well, there, you know, there's a guy, I forgot his name, Campbell, I think is his last, Richard Campbell, mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly, he said, you know, he coined the f term, follow your bliss, which, mm -hmm. you know, apparently people didn't start saying until like the 90s, so, yeah, it is a kind of new agey type thing, I guess, but, um, yeah, for me, um, well, I think you have to make two distinctions, first is, uh, one distinction is, is, are you talking about following your bliss or, or, or doing the things that you love for your job, your career, or are you talking about photography and, and photographing the things that you like? Um, in, in the terms of my job, um, I was teaching English. I enjoyed photography, but I never really made time for photography. I always thought I had to uh, work more, make more money. Uh, when I was in South Korea, I had a chance to teach, you know, after school classes and really just save up a lot of cash. And I, I found myself working a lot, but not that happy because I was just focusing on, you know, just making more money and taking care of, you know, the daily life type stuff. Um, and then gradually I started to do more photography and I, I love photography. Obviously when I'm with my friends, I have a good time when we go somewhere to, to shoot something. It's a great time when I'm editing an image, it's fun. So why am I not doing this more, this thing that I really enjoy? So what I started doing was I'd carve out like an hour a week or two hours a week or whatever. I'd say, okay, every Friday, uh, I'm going to go out for an hour and do photography. Uh, because oftentimes I would take pictures and then it would be like a month before I picked up my camera again. So I guess what it is, is if somebody's not enjoying what they're doing, um, it's not like you have to quit your job and become a photographer or something like that. All I'm saying is uh, create time or make time for yourself to go out and and create or do those things in your life that that bring you joy. And for me, that happens to be photography. Um, yeah. Uh, so the guy was Joseph Campbell. Yes, yeah. right. Right. Who I, I knew and, because he was writer about mythology and, and myths. Exactly. And didn't know about his uh, that other work right. of his. So I'll check it out. And, and what what Benjamin von Wong was saying was. You know, don't photograph this that you're not that interested in. Don't photograph for other people. You, if, if you don't like taking portraits, don't shoot portraits. Or if you don't like shooting sunsets, don't shoot sunsets. Um, 
so basically you have to find those things like that that get you excited that make your heart beat when you when you see them to photograph so i and i've often found that those are the things which i end up those are the kind of photos that end up being um my my favorite photos are the things that i enjoy the most and and oftentimes they're the ones that get the best reaction or biggest reaction whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. So I think if you're not passionate or you're not excited about the things that you're photographing, it'll show in your photographs. So knowing the things that you know now, I mean, after having spent uh, how, how many years abroad? Uh, said, about 18, 20 years. 20 years, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, knowing the things that you know now, what the Pete DeMarco of today tell his uh, self of 20 years ago like when you were starting to embark on this journey and going to Prague and Barcelona would you tell him yeah stay on the bus <laughs> do that go to yeah. Prague and Barcelona and then Korea or do something completely different and start photographing now yeah I, actually I was going to say uh, start an email list <laughs> <laughs> That's good start your email list that's good for as business. early as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you have a business or not, get an email list and start creating one. Um, uh, I think, yeah, like kind of like what we said, I would basically, uh, I would say the two main themes, themes we've been talking about, uh, follow your bliss, stay on the bus. Um, you know, don't really worry so much about what other people think or, or what you think other people will think. Just go out and shoot the stuff that you love, shoot the stuff that makes you happy. Uh, if you have uh, a neighborhood in, in your city, for example, um, or some path down the road that you've never been down, just go there and check it out. If, if a voice in your head tells you to go, go there, that it'd be interesting, then do it. Um, don't worry so much um, about the other stuff. Just follow those things that you enjoy. Right. So we've been waxing philosophical for for a while, which is which is great. I mean, really love this uh, this conversation. But uh, there's an, one more topic which is more practical. Um, might give some practical advice to our listeners, and uh, that's about uh, um, photo photo contests because you have uh, you've participated in some contests and you've uh, won some awards and. My, myself included and many, many other photographers, when, when they travel, they come home with beautiful images or what they think are beautiful images. They think they are contest-worthy. They might think of submitting them to some contest. And since you have some experience about this, I would like to ask you, uh, first, what to look for in a contest before you just to increase your chances of winning, if you wish, and what to, to watch out for. Uh, what are the telltale signals that the contest is not so good, might be a little bit of a scam, and so on? What, what do you say? Um, all right. The, yeah, the contests are, are, can be good and bad. I think the good thing about contests is that they can challenge you to kind of reach a new level. Like if, if you know you want to try and win a certain contest, then you might go out and, and try even harder to, to do the best that you can. And I definitely noticed that when I set a goal to, to enter or try and win a contest that I, I was trying harder to, to really do my best. So, because I had a, a kind of particular goal to reach for. 
Um, on the other hand, like you mentioned, um, a lot of photo contests are just total scams and they're, they're, people or companies making money by charging you a fee to enter into those contests. And so, you know, if you have to pay 25 bucks to enter and then uh, the top prize is, you know, a thousand dollars, but they're just trying to, Mm -hmm. to make, or uh, one of the things you should look out for is that they're going to use the rights to your photo, whether or not you win. So the the good contests, they only have the rights to your photo if you actually win something. But a lot of contests are just like a, an image grab for cheap to try and get, you know, build up their stock images uh, by, you know, starting this contest. And then they never give you anything for it. So basically you have to read the rules of the contest and read how they're going to use your photo afterwards. You know, do you retain the rights to your photo if you don't win? I think that's kind of the main thing to look out for first. Um, there's also, I've, I've found some blog, blog posts online, like, you know, 50 best photo contests to enter or stuff like that. So if you, if you just do a little bit of uh, research online, you'll find some reliable articles. I think there's, there's a few of them out there. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I would focus on. Yeah. For, yep. Go, go ahead. ahead. For me, um, I had different reasons for, for entering the ones that I did. Um, the, so in 2012, I entered the National Geographic Traveler Photo Contest, and I got uh, like a runner-up or merit, merit award uh, for that photo contest. And that was, they gave me about, I think it was $200 for a, um, gift certificate to B and H photo or something like that. So I didn't really get much other than to say, Oh, I had my photo in national geographic or won the contest, but you know, my life didn't change after nothing was different. And I had this gift certificate, which I actually lost and never used. Um, but some contests offer uh, a bit of money or prizes. Um, like there was one in Korea for the Tourism Association I entered and I won about $3,000. And then there's another one, actually just recently um, on Air Asia, there's this thing where you it's called Travels 360 or something like that. And it's free to send in your photo. And if you win, they just put it in the magazine. But you also win like three days and two nights at some hotel in Asia. So actually this month I, I won that or I got the runner up in, in the magazine there. And I only did it just to get the hotel voucher <laughs> for no other reason. I haven't entered a contest in like five years. But I just was like, oh, I think I might be able to win a hotel voucher. So I don't know. It's sometimes for fun. But I... I wouldn't really get too caught up in, in photo contests. I, I've heard some people who kind of build their career on contests and say, oh, I've won, you know, such and such contest. And then it kind of builds a lot of credibility. But I, I don't know. I think that's a long, tough road to go. But if you're, if you're looking for a challenge and, and something to just kind of, if you find a good contest and you really kind of want to up your game or have a challenge, I think photo contests can be a really fantastic way to help you develop your skills and maybe even get your name out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, there are some really prestigious contests which I don't 
yeah, I, I tried submitting a few, but uh, the, they're the, the places to go to if you really want to to, to shine. And then there are all those uh, scammy or semi-scammy places where they ask you money or they grab your rights and so on. It's difficult to find a, uh, some some place. Uh, I I use Viewbug a bit, uh, which is nice because they they're typically free. They have lots of free contests, and they don't do a rights grab, or they they didn't okay. use to. I mean, I haven't checked their terms of conditions recently, but basically, they only they are only they say they're only going to use your photos for promotion of their contests. They're not right. going to sell them normal. to magazines and so on. And sure, that that should be the norm, but it, it isn't. Right, <laughs> that's the problem. So view view bug is uh, is nice. So yeah, okay. that's something that people can try. It's uh, the, the 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 thing is that those contests are typically very popular. So you get thousands and thousands and thousands of entries, uh, and the prices mm-hmm. can be good. I mean the. Uh, Full frame DSLR Canon Mark D five uh, 5D Mark IV, thousands nice. of dollars of equipment, or a participation in a workshop. There was uh, Trey Radcliffe when he did his uh, 80 stays in Europe, and mm-hmm. he had a contest, and I participated, and the prize was uh, a flight from anywhere in the world to New Zealand, and taking part in his workshop and staying in a hotel in New Zealand for 10 days, including wow. the flight. <laughs> that was an amazing prize. I, I, mean, I would have right, loved to win that. <laughs> the, the photo contest can get a bad rap, but uh, there also can be pretty good, too, for, for mean, actually trying to win some prizes. I mean, that's another thing to consider, too. If I, so. if I win that, you want the rights to my image? You can get them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Fine. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, you, you. have to watch out. I mean, you have to read the terms and conditions and rules very carefully. I think that's the basic. Yeah. Uh, that's the basic thing. All right. So, uh, yeah, I think we are at the end of our scheduled time here. I want to be respectful of your, of your time. I just would like to ask you. Well, what's uh, what's next for you? I know you have a couple of uh, photo tours and workshops coming. Maybe you want to to talk about them and then tell people where can uh, uh, listeners find out about them and about you in general. Sure, um, I have uh, a few things coming up in the future. The first one is a workshop. We're doing a seven-day photo tour in Cambodia in October. That's the the first one. And the second one is a Myanmar tour. It's a 12-day tour, uh, January 9th to 20th of 2018. So if you want to learn more, go to thenomadwithin.com. And there's uh, all the information is right there on the site. And to find me on social media, I'm, I'm Pete DeMarco with, without the R, just Pete DeMarco on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. So those are the easiest places to find me. Okay, we will, of course, put links to, to all you do in, uh, in the show notes for this episode. And um, yeah, what else? Mm, just I uh, think it's been really inspiring conversation today uh, yeah, lots, it's of, uh, <laughs> lots of things it's it's funny it seems like we're reading the same things and and listening to the same stuff so yes. <laughs> 
That's great. And hence, we have both quit our jobs and are doing <laughs> the same thing. Well, I'm not yeah. doing a podcast, but we're kind of walking the you same should, path. So you should, you should start. It was, yeah, yeah it, it was um, really great to talk to you, though. I appreciate you taking the time to, to do this interview. And uh, it was nice to get to know you. Okay. And hopefully we'll meet up somewhere down the road. If you ever come to Malaysia, um, let me know. Or if you need some tips about um, yeah. Bangkok or, or Thailand, I'm, I'm happy to help out. So. Yeah, I'll need. I need to see more of Asia. I haven't seen much of it, as I said. That part of the world uh, was basically Indonesia for me. All the Indochina uh, and Thailand and so on. It's completely foreign. So I'll uh, I'll have to catch up and uh, definitely go to Malaysia and pay you a visit. All right. Awesome. So thanks for uh, for your time today again, and all the best and take care. Okay. Thanks, Hugo. So there you have it. We had a great conversation with Peter DeMarco today about many topics concerning life, photography, travel. If you liked it as much as I did, please uh, visit our website at ttim.photo. Uh, you will find all the links and show notes for this episode at ttim.photo slash 96. Also, if you want to leave us a review or a comment on iTunes, you can go to ttim.photo forward slash iTunes. Before closing, I would just like to remind you that you can find everything about me, Ugo Che, at my website, ucphoto.me. And as for my co-host, Ralph Velasco, who unfortunately could not be with us today, but will be back regularly on the next episode, you can find everything about him at photoenrichment.com. Thank you very much for listening.